Today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. First off, that's huge. And that's what we use here on the Mets Up Podcast. I highly suggest it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. And you're allowed to make money from your podcast from day one with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you guys download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, Mets Up listeners? Episode number 64 of the Mets Up podcast coming at you a little late. Uh, the boys are a little buzzed. We went out and we celebrated. If you're watching the YouTube video, just give a fist pound on camera because we signed Max, Mad Max Scherzer to a three-year, $130 million deal. The money is insane. Uncle Steve, I, we'll, we'll get going into it, but you know I got to do my spiel first. Uh, if you guys are not following us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at up, I swear we're going to start posting on TikTok. I promise. It's going to happen. James is going to learn how to edit it too because I'm lazy. Uh, we're also going to post a YouTube video. We're back. Messed up uh, on YouTube. You'll be able to find us there. Post some YouTube content. We'll be running the YouTube game real strong. And then if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you find us, you'll be able to listen to us. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a five-star review. Whatever you got for us, it really does help us grow. Um, I'll, James is sitting right here, so I don't really need to bring him in. But James, I mean, we've had some we've had some drinks. Five, six. Why would you even say that? Seven. Because it's. I feel like it just it makes it a little more fun. This is a a real. This is a genuine reaction to Max Scherzer because we just went out drinking to celebrate Max Scherzer. We've had. Something of a 24 hours with the Messed Up Podcast, starting out with um, our debut on Spaces on Twitter last night. Let's just talk about that real quick. What an incredible time that was. I was if you guys aren't following me and James on Twitter personally, Messed Up Podcast, whatever, that's fine. Follow me and James on Twitter personally, at Mark at Jeter Had No Range. We've been using the feature that's called Spaces on Twitter, mm-hmm. and we were the number one Spaces the last two days. Yes, literally on the entire... Twitter interface, we were number one. Number one. Not two. One. Not three. Not four. Number one. And it was just a hoot and hollering good time. We we were on there from 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. P.m. Uh, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah, that's what the other time I mentioned. See, we're drinking a little bit. Um, we were on there for quite some time, and we had 4,700 people in there at one point. Mm-hmm. Not to toot our own horns, but... No. We figured something out. We really did. I think we kind of perfected the concept of sports talk radio and mixed it and moshed it with the Gen Z era that we live in, brought it to modern social media, and we created this amazing ecosystem for just talking about baseball that really turned into something of just, I don't want to exaggerate, but literally a spectacle. Yeah, no, if you guys, like, I, I can't vouch for this enough. I think Twitter Spaces is a really cool feature that they've added. I had I seriously hadn't used it up until this past week. And I know you were talking about it a little bit earlier in the week with me, and I experimented with it. The growth is unbelievable. The growth is phenomenal. But, like, I think it's a really cool place for you guys to also interact with us. This is something mm-hmm. we're going to do. Um, you're going to see it tonight that the episode drops. Yes, Wednesday so, evening before the CBA deadline. Tuesday evening. 
Tuesday evening. Tuesday evening. It'll be before the Wednesday midnight deadline. But mm-hmm. if you guys have a Twitter, if you don't, I suggest you make one just for the spaces thing alone. You'll be able to listen to us react and talk live before the midnight deadline about all the moves that are going on. Apparently, the Mets are done, but I, I don't believe that for one bit. So we'll, we will see what's going on, but we're able to drag you guys in, hear your thoughts and opinions, get your, you know, voice in there and give it with our opinions as well it was it was really fun i really enjoyed it as well as it's always cool to be one of the top guys we had the mets in there hanging out we had the uh morgan wallen country music superstar country music superstar we had jabba chamberlain i didn't expect that name to be in there of and apparently bob nightingale himself Mm -hmm. was able to uh listen in on when we were just ragging on him nonstop. Definitely, and that's fair. I mean, Bob Nightingale probably understands where he stands in the social media landscape. We also had a couple people from Fangrass, Baseball Prospectus. We had The Athletic in there, the which Athletic is cool. Baseball was in there, yeah. We had a couple of newsbreakers pop in with us, a couple of people from uh, a couple of different podcasts. The Astros, uh, Locked On Astros. Yeah. Uh, Vinny, uh, Vinny Parisi from Fansided. Locked On Pirates as well. We had yes. we had all over the place, Nick which was really Pollock cool. Nick Pollock from Pitcher List, can't forget that. Cespedes Family Barbecue jumped in, talked to us for about five minutes. Doesn't follow either of us. No, but he still does not follow either of us, which is pretty rude. That's a, we'll, that's we'll a call out. out. That's a call yeah. out. We expect to follow back at some point. Again, but even past all of these people who have relative notoriety, it was really nice to connect with a lot of you guys who've been listening to us during this entire past eight months we've been doing this now. And it was pretty nice to connect with everyone and actually hear people's voices and be able to go back and forth because that's what Twitter Spaces does. It allows everybody to have an equally shared voice and being able to share ideas and kind of talk, debate, compare and contrast ideas was a beautiful thing. And it was a perfect mesh with the fact that we were waiting for Max Scherzer to sign mm-hmm. with the Mets, which is what we're talking about tonight. Yes. This is an emergency short episode, which are back-to-back emergency episodes. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Um, these are two of the biggest moves, I mean, two of the biggest days that have happened in recent Mets history. We signed Max Scherzer to a three-year, $130 million contract. I can't stress that enough. The money is massive. It's record-breaking. It's historic. And not only do we get a very good player, not only do we break records, we got one of the best pitchers in all of baseball on the New York Mets. We've seen him pitch for the last five, six years with the Washington Nationals. He's now pitching for the orange and blue. It doesn't feel real. No, it doesn't feel real. It was also like a little bit of an extra like bonus that we got to break the Yankees' AAV record with Garrett Cole, just shoving everybody's face that we are now the kings of New York officially. The Mets run New York. Yeah, no doubt about that. This I mean, is this is our city. The Empire State Building hasn't been lit in blue, hasn't been lit blue and white. It's been lit orange and blue recently. Maybe for the Knicks, maybe not the Mets, but that's not Yankee colors. That's Mets colors. Definitely not. And the one thing that everybody out there really needs to make sure that they understand is that Max Scherzer is still an ace in this league. There's no doubt about it. Heading into the 2022 season, Max Scherzer is a top six at worst pitcher in all of major league baseball right yeah i mean it really comes down to what you're looking for what you're valuing projections of course you always project the younger guys to do a little bit better than a guy going into his 37 year old season but even then with the projections max scherzer i i really do think conservatively conservatively i don't know where the b came from there at worst is a top 10 pitcher in major league baseball that's probably the worst he's going to pitch this year you know barring anything catastrophic going on he was so good with the Dodgers last year he was so good with the Nationals there's a reason he's getting paid 43 million dollars at 37 years old 
His talent is immense. He doesn't need the youth to be that effective pitcher. While, you know, throwing 96, 97 miles an hour is really great. And something 94, that he, 95. Yeah, he still sits in that mid to high 90s, though, I feel like he's at gonna, times. He's going to average probably by 95 next year. And that's what he did last year as well. But he's still got that devastating, devastating slider. And the changeups, he's just one of the best pitchers in baseball. If you're a Mets fan, you've watched him pitch against you for the last five, six years. He's unreal. He's unreal, and you now get to pair him up with Jacob deGrom, who are two of the three best pitchers of this generation. No doubt. There's no debate. I mean, we're watching two possible Hall of Famers pitch for this New York Mets team in 2022. I think they're both two Hall of Famers, right? Like, I think no I think not. Scherzer's a guaranteed. Yeah, I think DeGrom, DeGrom probably yeah. has to do a little bit more just because of how the Hall of Fame is very traditional and how they look at counting numbers. Mm-hmm. But again, you're talking about the 2010s of baseball. These are two pitchers that are... Two of the three first names mentioned, and Clayton Kershaw is the other one. And they're both pitching for the Mets in 2022, and they're both going to be sick. If you were in the spaces the other night, we couldn't believe that we're even linked to this guy, and now that it's real, it it still doesn't feel right. I don't know about you. It just it still feels fake. I don't disagree with you. It definitely doesn't feel right. And the question we kept asking people on Sunday evening, late into Monday, early into Monday morning, was that what was your confidence level that the Mets would sign Max Scherzer? And kind of to my shock, we had a lot of Mets fans who were super optimistic even before anything happened that we were going to get him. I personally thought this felt a lot like Trevor Bauer last season where the Mets were kind of being jerked around by an agent and a team on the West Coast, namely the Dodgers, and that they were just kind of being used to drive up certain value. And honestly, it did feel like that even into Monday morning. I woke up. Again, today, Monday, just stricken with anxiety that this was not going to happen. Me and you, I think we're both around that 50-50 percentage last night of, yeah, it, they could sign him 100%. We know we got the money, but it really comes down to whether or not Scherzer wants to be here. And if the money is true, if the money talks, bullshit walks. You know, that's the, that's the big saying. Steve Cohen just whipped him out and said, mine are bigger than everybody else. This is something that... He got burned with a little bit last year, and you brought the Bauer thing. There's so many parallels to this contract, besides the age. The age is the one different thing that separates Scherzer and Bauer. But the parallels are there in that it was the Mets versus the Dodgers, and it came down to who's going to pay more money and who's going to give it to him. There's reports around the league that when Max Scherzer heard the offer that the Mets were giving, his jaw dropped. I mean, Max Scherzer, I don't even think, thought he was going to break records this year. And the Mets came out. They might have even outbid, in the, outbid themselves with this offer. But they they broke records on a, on a relatively older pitcher. But I also don't care. No, I don't think you really can care when you're pulling in an ace. There's not really any inherent value you could put on an ace pitcher coming to your ball club. Well, again, this is something else we referenced on the spaces. Max Scherzer, his entire career, at least since he became good, what, those last two years of the Tigers right before he signed that contract with Nationals. Always been worth at least $40 million a season. Again, dating back all the way to 2015, based on Fangraphs' F-War. So there really wasn't a number that the Mets could have, or that Max Scherzer and Scott Boris could have said that the Mets would have said no to because they just had to have him. And that was the end of, that was the, end of the discussion. Like, it's, it's so refreshing as a Mets fan that we were the top bidder on a top free agent. I mentioned it last night, too, when we were talking. I hate to keep referencing it because it feels like a broken record. But, like, there have been so many big free agents that we've missed out on because we had the Wilpons. We had Harper and Machado, who both those guys would have slotted in beautifully in Queens in and, any position. And both those guys were absolute locks to 
fulfill the value of their contracts, especially over the first like six, seven, eight years or so before either of them could have even possibly broken down. Which but, is really what you pay for now when you yeah. do these long contracts. You pay for the first half and hope that the second half is okay. But we've learned over the last couple of seasons in Major League Baseball that the aging curves that we once thought were true aren't necessarily even true anymore. Like, especially for that elite talent. Yes. Because like a guy like Albert Pujols... It's a little weird because he lied about his age. I'm confident in saying that. He's not 41 years old. He's 46 or however old Octavio. Which is Octavio. impressive that he's still doing this at 46 years old. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. That's He is one of the greatest baseball players no matter what. Any way you slice it, I don't care what his age claims to be. He's as old as Octavio Dotel, who's been out of the league for 10 years, and he's still performing at Major League Baseball levels. But it feels like when you are some of the greatest players of all time, which is some of the guys that we're talking about, Max Scherzer is one of the greatest pitchers of all time, three-time Cy Young Award winner, multiple-time ERA titles. You've watched this guy pitch. He commands a different respect than everyone else around the league. There's very few people that get that respect, and he's now a Met. Like there's, I, To me, there's no doubt in my mind that this was the right move to make. Oh, there's not even something of a shadow of a doubt. The old saying has gone over the last few years. I'm going to steal this quote from Eno Saris on the Rates and Barrels podcast, is that there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. And that is still true to this day, no doubt about it. Like, I can't wait to give Rich Hill one year $5 million. To have Rich Hill around Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. And Tyler McGill. I want to have have a beer with those guys. Maybe just Rich Hill. Maybe just Rich Hill. I don't know if I want to have a beer with Max Scherzer. I'd be a little afraid. Uh, I'd be so interested to see what that guy looks like outside of a baseball uniform. I'd love to. He's a weird scraggly gray t-shirt. Big cargo I, shorts guy. I bet he just wears like the same pair of jeans all the time. Is it a loose fit or is it a tight fit? It's a very regular fit. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But to my point, what he said, I'm going to take this quote right now because it's very smart and it's very true. And I love you, Nocera. It's one of my heroes of the game. Smart guy. Brilliant. There's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. We know that. But now the way that the baseball teams go about valuing players in the way that we know how baseball players one age and two deteriorate, especially guys in this elite tier. At this point, it's kind of no such thing as a bad three-year contract. Like, as long as we get one seriously elite year from Max Scherzer, like that one of those really good 2.8 ERAs, 6 F war season, 225 strikeouts, 190 inning seasons, this entire contract is worth it. And then the rest of it's house money. And I'm expecting... The rest of it's be house money after the season because there's nothing that Max Scherzer has done in the last few years to think or to show us that there's any deterioration going to happen. The Mets are trying to win a World Series in that three to five year window span that Steve Cohen said. Mm-hmm. And getting a guy like Max Scherzer puts this team in a way better spot to win a World Series. Now, I think both of us agree that we are not a World Series team at this moment. No. But as we were talking about this team more and more tonight at the bar, we were going... I mean, granted, this could be the drinks talking a little bit. Could be, but we're having fun. This team is really good, and getting a guy like Max Scherzer is just... I I think on the field, we know the value he has. He's going to be great, but I really do think that like off the field and just the the value that he can bring to this team with his experience, with his uh, knowledge, with the just prestige that this guy carries, he will not accept below average play. He is not going to stick around and see this team play like shit. He's not going to see them struggle. He's going to try and pick this team up, and that's something that we thought that this team lacked last year. Definitely. I don't think Max Scherzer would have signed this contract if he didn't think the Mets could compete in that fashion over the next few years. Like This is probably the last big contract Max Scherzer will sign. 100%. Max Scherzer's retiring as a New York Met. Hopefully. He doesn't opt out after the second year, correct? Yeah, which would be 
he's going to be 40 years old. And he's yeah, going to be turning be, down $42 million. It would almost be the best-case scenario for Max Scherzer to have pitched well enough to opt out at that point. But even past that, the last year that we've been doing this show, we've talked about the Mets roster. We've really talked about how their depth is something that is good and that we've like championed that. But we kind of always knew and we always allude to the fact that there still wasn't enough top-end talent to really bring them to the promised land. That was a big reason the Mets wanted to sign Francisco Lindor. As good as the Mets' bottom of the roster seemed to be and as good as some of the homegrown talent was, the Mets didn't have that five- or six-win player in that roster, that kind of player that really that really lifts the rest of a roster to becoming elite. And that was something they had to fix. That's why they acquired Francisco Lindor. They had Jacob deGrom. You lost Jacob deGrom last year. You saw how much that deteriorated the entire team's production and success. It's a huge weight off the shoulder of Jacob deGrom. Huge. Definitely. And it's much harder to acquire that elite 5-6 win player at any position than it is to acquire the like the tiny little fillers that fill the roster, the 2-3 to three win guys that fill in. And now the Mets absolutely have a strong foundation of multiple players who are elite, who are among the best in baseball, and who will like absolutely lift up the foundation and keep them at a place where they can compete to at least be, be in the playoffs as the roster currently stands. We don't know what the rest of the moves are going to be like. Things are going to go quiet very soon. But with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer on a roster just reaching the playoffs, we saw this year that basically anybody can win a World Series. Yes. And that just getting to that point, and you need the whole regular season to get to that point. You need to play 162 games to get to that point. You need a lot of people working together to get to that point. Having these guys at the base will make it give you a much better chance of getting to that point. And having these guys at the base will give you much much better chance of going past that point. It's it's just unbelievable that we're going to watch Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer be one-twos. I mean, in a given series, you have two of the best pitchers in all of baseball going up against a given team. I like our odds to win a series against any team in baseball. Any single team, I don't care who it is. I don't care what the matchup is. The Mets have a good chance to win every single series when those two guys are out on the mound. Just to give... You and the listeners juxtaposing hypotheticals right now. Let's say the Mets are a team during the season that maybe struggles with health because it's a little bit of an older roster. That's something that's definitely possible. For sure. The Mets' range of outcomes. And let's say they do wind up falling a little bit behind the Braves and walking into a wild card game against, I don't even give a shit who. We don't even need to give the hypothetical Not right important. Now. The Mets will, no matter what, I can probably say, have a pitching advantage, a starting pitching advantage specifically, in that wild card game, which will give you a good chance to win it. And and a big problem that a lot of wild card teams face in the modern era when they go to the division series is that you've burned your ace and now you're kind of playing catch up against a team that's sitting there waiting for you with their ace in hand. The Mets have two of them. Even if they do play in one of those games and burn an ace, they have another one ready to go and they'll have the second guy ready for game three. So you at least win one of those games. You kind of have a 50-50 shot in the middle there's a good chance you're winning that series already. And then to even go on the back of that, let's say the Mets sign more players. Everything goes perfectly. We perform at our 80th, 90th percentile of expectations this year. Let's even say we have better records than some of the teams in the National League West or National League Central, be it all teams in the National League East. The Mets somehow have become the number one seed in the National League. You are waiting for that team to come from the wild card game unless that team is the Brewers or the Phillies the only other teams in, or I guess the Dodgers, I guess. Well, a lot of these playoff teams probably will have two aces. But I think still, the Phillies is a little bit of a stretch. But. I know, but I'm talking about two teams who ha- teams that have two elite starting players okay, at the fair. top. And again, I'm, I'm being kind to Aaron Nola. I'm a big Aaron Nola guy. Probably bigger than most people in baseball right now. But you will be sitting 
in the cappered seed in that playoff series with two aces in hand ready to just absolutely put somebody in the dirt in the first moment possible and blow through and get ready to win a series. That's how you go to the World Series. That's how the Mets did in 2015. No, there's this team is going to be built around pitching right now. Like, the offense, we grabbed some good pieces, 100%. The offense yeah. is getting stronger, and I think the offense is better than it's going to be last year, without a doubt. The guys, Lindor's going to have a bounce-back season. Guys aren't going to have the down years that they had last year. But this pitching... At the front line, at the absolute worst, is a hundred times stronger. Is a hundred? I, I love Stroman. I love the guys that we picked up last year. Stroman's not here right now. I'd love to bring him back. Mm-hmm. He'd be an unbelievable number three, He's sick, sick number, three. number three. But even having Carrasco in Taiwan now as this four five or three four, and then McGill. I mean, just having the guys of Degrom and Scherzer who are going to go six, seven innings minimum every five days, back to back. By the way, back to back days is so powerful, so strong. To push back on that for a second, I think another big part of the Scherzer signing is the fact that the Mets now have the opportunity to possibly ease Jacob deGrom into the season. I can really foresee a world where Jacob deGrom is only throwing four or five innings for six, eight, 12 weeks as we start the season, possibly into June, even up until the All-Star break, just depending on the health of his elbow that we know is still pending. Yeah, we really don't know anything about it. Don't know anything about it. But the fact that we actually have an ace who can be on his level, which is a shocking thing to say, but it is true at this given moment, to take the pressure off of him and not put him in a position where he has to win every game he starts to the point where he's busting his ass and throwing with 120% every single pitch he throws in the game just to take it easy. And again, even with that, easing a guy like David Peterson back in the rotation, once we get going to the season, easing a guy like Joe Lucchese back into this rotation, easing a guy like a possible signing I mentioned before, Rich Hill, into the rotation early in the season. Having Max Scherzer as your safety net and your foundational building block helps Jacob deGrom to reacclimate himself much more effectively than if he was not here. Jacob deGrom is, of course, the best pitcher in this rotation, but Max Scherzer is another piece of glue that is no longer just Jacob deGrom that this rotation doesn't have to rely on. You give another incredibly strong arm, it just it just takes so much pressure off of everybody on this team right now on the pitching side. It's unbelievable, and I think one of the things we have to address is, is the pay. It's three years, $130 million. It is the biggest contract given to a pitcher for AAV ever. Or a player. Or a player ever. He's getting $43 million at age 37. And I think that's probably something that a lot of people are concerned about, a lot of people are worried about. All his peripherals are still elite. And here's the thing with Max Scherzer. Here's the thing with the Mets. Overpaid is not a word in our vocabulary no. anymore. The Mets and Steve Cohen have just shown that money is not and uh, it's not a it's not a worry in the slightest. You just paid the biggest contract to one of the older players on the market. Nobody cares. Overpaid is poor people words. Those are poor people terms. I'll say it again. If you say the word overpaid, that's because you come from a team who doesn't have the money like the Mets. And I can't even believe I'm saying that right now. No, definitely. But again, those are all fun things to say. And it really does feel comfortable to say the things that like we can. Like we're rich now. The Mets are rich. We can spend any rich. money we want, any player in the world. But the fact that this player was Max Scherzer is meaningful. And now I'm going to give a little pitching breakdown because I'm sure everyone's been waiting for that. It's been a couple months since I've given one of those. Here we go, James. Give it to us. But a guy like Max Scherzer, when you think about a 37-year-old pitcher, you're thinking about signing a guy in his twilight who is kind of on the descent. And there's nothing that Max Scherzer has done would really make you think that. Max Scherzer's velocity in his fastball has been steady for years. Literally, basically his entire career. He's always been a guy who sat between 94 and 96 miles an hour. Yep. He did that last year. 
Max Scherzer, his entire career, is a guy who sat in the high 20s, low 30s in K rate. He has actually increased that dramatically in the last four years of his career. Last year being a 34.1 strike, uh, strikeout rate guy. And obviously every, every year since 2017, he's been hovering around that 34, 35% number. So that's something that really hasn't gone down. Same thing with his walk rate. Max Scherzer in his whole career has been a guy between 4 and 8% walk rate. Again, that's kind of a wide range, but that's because he's been oscillating a lot. Last year was a 5%. 2019 was 4.8. Every year between 2016 and 2018, he was in the sixes. That's coming down. Like usually when a guy ages, you kind of expect something to go wrong. And for Max Scherzer, it hasn't been command, which is something that we can really hang our hats on as Mets fans. The one thing that Max Scherzer has deteriorated in a little bit is his home run rate. He's kind of leaving the ball up more. And again, I'm talking about command. He's not walking guys, but there's leaving pitches that are a little bit more hittable in certain parts of the strike zone, especially in the middle or up. This is something he struggled with last year. But even then, like even in his prime with the Nationals, he was still giving up Close to the top of the league in home runs. Absolutely. Well, that's because Nationals Park, based on Stackhouse Park Factor, is one of the easiest ballparks to have home run in all of baseball. It's in the top five. Last year, we traded the Dodgers midseason. It's also easier than the average to have a home run. City Field is a much easier park to pitch in than either of those. While City Field's park factor for home runs is a little bit higher than league average, it's well below Nationals Park, it's moderately low but Dodgers Park, and overall for all other hits, extra base hits in general, it's a better park to pitch in. So we can kind of expect some regression from the, uh, I almost said Noah Syndergaard, Jesus Christ, <laughs> from Max Scherzer's home run rate while coming to City Field, which is something that I think we can be very confident about. And I think not to mention, too, I mean, the Dodgers, great defensive team. They always are. They're always super strong. But the Mets have one of the better defensive infields in baseball. And we just got really, really strong in the outfield, too, defensively, adding Starling Marte and Mark Hanna. The Mets are not just getting Max Scherzer, but they're putting a great team behind him, which is really, really valuable. And, like, I know James just gave you all the stats, but you guys have watched this guy pitch. You don't need to be a scientist. You don't need to be a mathematician to dissect the numbers to understand how good this guy is. He is a dude you watch and you understand he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. No, definitely. I'm nitpicking right now because there are going to be people in your life, people in our lives, who are going to tell you the Mets overpaid for a 37-year-old. That's poor people words. I don't want to hear overpaid. Something's going to go wrong, but I'm really telling you statistically, there's nothing that seems like could go wrong. And then another thing, Max Scherzer has just kind of been the staple of health for most of his career. He had a very yeah. small injury this season, missed two weeks. But other than that, this guy's an absolute warrior, a psychopath. He's nuts. And he's committed to being on the mound every five days, which is something that in the modern baseball landscape is inherently valuable. He brings a different edge to this team. He brings a different kind of uh, a winning nature. He does not want to lose. He is not interested in losing. He wouldn't sign with this team if he didn't think that they would be good. You mentioned that earlier. Max Scherzer is here, one, because he got paid a lot of money. Tons. But two, he knows that this team can do something. He knows that this team has potential. And I truly believe that with Max Scherzer a part of this roster, the Mets can really make some noise in Major League Baseball. And I'm super, super happy, super grateful that we have an owner that just spent this amount of money on a guy to try and make this team win because, really, we have not seen this in our lifetime, at least since, like, what, 2005, 2006? No, definitely. The word's euphoric. And we were asked that last night on Spaces to bring it up again. Is this the most optimistic you've ever felt about the Mets? And I said resoundingly, yes. Yeah, I said the same thing. Like, granted, we were 10 years old in 2006, so, like, a little bit of a different time, per se, as us for a Mets fan. But... The most recent optimistic time, I know I pick the Mets to win the World Series all the time on YouTube, but that's for entertainment purposes. 
2016 is probably the last time we really felt that optimistic. And even then, this team is miles, miles better than that roster. I wouldn't say it's miles better than that roster right now, but I think that I think based I would. on the foundation of the roster right now is a chance to be miles better than that roster. See, I do think we have a more complete team than that roster. Really? I think the offen- I think sometimes us Mets fans forget how offensively inept that team was. Yeah, that is not that that is kind of true, but that team starting pitching was elite. It's something we can't really rival right now even with these two monsters at no, the top. No. We we might have the better top end stuff right now than that ro- rotation because yeah. DeGrom was not the pitcher that he was. He was still really good. He was, he was still Harvey very was good. Harvey was the pitcher DeGrom is. Yes, Harvey was the guy at the time and Syndergaard as well. Those yes. were the two studs of that rotation for sure. And Zach Wheeler. And Zach, Zach Wheeler was a little bit still he was at the time. pretty good he was He was very strong. But I really do think that top to bottom that this team is one of the strongest teams that the Mets have fielded in a very long time. And getting a guy like Scherzer just proves to at least the Mets fans that they're going for it. They're not content with just being okay. I think that the biggest thing that this Scherzer move signals is that there's no way the Mets are done this offseason. While we're about to hit this horrible, catastrophic, blue-balling lockout in a few hours, this does not mean the Mets are done signing players. And then I think that's how we're going to transition right now into how we're going to move towards the end of the episode. We're not going to wrap it up yet. We don't do 30-minute episodes of the Mets Up podcast. We can't. It's not possible. But... I think there are still some minor holes that the Mets need to fill. Or I would say some moderate holes the Mets need to fill. Yeah, I mean, like, a number three starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, again, that's it's really semantics at this point. because it's not semantics. I mean, who's your number three starter right now? Carrasco? Yeah, I mean, you're going Carrasco or Taiwan, and I'm sure a lot of people in the Mets world would be okay with Taiwan or Carrasco being three. Maybe not Carrasco, maybe Taiwan more so. I think that's almost the opposite of what should be true. Correct. I think that we do need another starting pitcher. There needs to be at least one legitimate one signed I'd love to bring back Strowman. If money's not an option, which it seems like it's not going to be, he would be just unbelievable at the number three spot, but I don't think he's coming back. I would literally kill to have Marcus Strowman a part of this rotation. Marcus Strowman has caught a lot of heat recently because of things on social media. I have to stress to myself, to you, to the Mets fans everywhere, that we really can't look too deep into what goes on outside of the baseball field if we're looking at players who are on it. And I think there's not one player who currently exists on the open market who can raise the Mets ceiling more than Marcus Stroman right now. Yeah, especially like on the pitching side, which is probably, again, our biggest glaring hole. We kind of, I, I know you're not the biggest Eduardo Escobar guy to play every day at third base. No. But we do have a third baseman right now. Mm-hmm. We do have one with at least him and J.D. Davis combined. That's our third base spot right now, I think. Theoretically, but I don't know how different... Eduardo Escobar and J.D. Davis really are to the fact that you can call them like complementary pieces, you know? Yeah, that's fair. But I, I do think that right now, the way that this offense is looking, the starters are kind of in place. You're okay with going into the season with those guys. Right now, we at the absolute worst, let's just pretend that we're going to use Taiwan and Car- Carlos Carrasco as 3-4. We don't have a five-starter. No, we do not have a five-starter at all. But we also don't Really, and I'm contradicting myself. I said three seconds ago, pitching was the biggest concern. Marcus Stroman could raise the ceiling the most. We still don't really have enough definite difference makers in this offense. Because right now, you look at the Mets lineup up and down. It's really just Alonzo and Lindor as guys who you can absolutely say are beasts, for lack of a better term, right? Yeah, I mean, Nimmo, too. No, Nimmo, too. But we just, we I need to see Nimmo play 150 games. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Nimmo right now. And I've said time and time again, you're injury prone until you're not. I believe in Brandon Nemo. I think Brandon is going to be a very good player here for a long time. But I still would like to see him do something over a longer sample to make me fully believe that he can be like 
an all-star caliber player. Yeah, the thing to me that I like about the way that the Mets are built right now is that we're currently talking about J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, a lot of the guys that we thought would get significant playing time last year as the role players, mm-hmm. as the guys who are going to fill in. And to me, something that we talked about at least a lot towards the end of the season was that the Mets were not utilizing the 26 men on this roster. And right now it feels like we are trying to get the most out of it. We had a center fielder in Brandon Nimmo. If he was our center fielder on opening day, I don't think any of us would have complained. He was very good last year. No, definitely not. And we went and got a guy like Starting Marte, went and got a guy like Marcana, and now Brandon Nimmo moves to a corner, and we have a complete outfield. Yes, for the first time, literally in our adult lives, the Mets have a complete outfield, which is kind of a shocking thing to say. But I am still a little bit worried about those two positions, as in second base and third base. I do believe in Jeff McNeil. I do think Jeff McNeil can be a very valuable player for this team. But I've said time and time again, I don't know if the Mets can win a World Series if Jeff McNeil gets 600 plate appearances. Yeah, and 600 might be a little much, but we do also have Robbie Cano, don't you know? Yeah, I know. We're not going to forget about Robinson Cano. And I'm sure that Robinson Cano, any time in his life, next 25 years, can roll out of bed and hit 280. Yeah. There's no doubt. He's, he still does have talent, despite, you know, uh, maybe a couple injections to the left buttocks and right buttocks. But I, 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 it's really hard for me right now. And maybe this, again, is this euphoric high because of the Max Scherzer signing, something that we just haven't seen really in our lifetime. Carlos Beltran is probably the closest thing to it. And maybe, maybe Cespedes because of the high that we had from him from the playoff run. Yeah. But we have not made a move on the free agent market of a player that wasn't a former Met. You know, we, we signed Piazza to that big contract. That's the other one you think of mm-hmm. um, when you talk about big Mets contracts. This is just, we brought in an outside guy to this team that is going to immediately, right now, make this team a scary matchup. In our last episode, we talked about the Mets kind of reworking their foundation and changing their culture. I don't think you can do anything more to change a culture and to turn it into a winning one than bringing in someone as intense and as historically successful as Max Scherzer, he now, without Javi Baez on this roster, is the only player to ever win a World Series. Yeah. And while that is like some kind of old head baseball thing that you guys probably are not used to me saying, there is something that makes that a little bit meaningful in the end of the day, right? Scherzer, I, I said it earlier, he will not accept. He will not accept subpar play. He no. won't do it. And and maybe this is something that, uh, you know. Some guys in the Mets aren't used to. Mm-hmm. The Mets, for most of these guys' careers, have been the lovable losers. There's kind of no way about it. They they rally a little bit. Everyone gets behind them, and then they kind of peter out. Maybe Scherzer's the guy who turns it around and goes, guys, we're not just going to be good. We're going to be the best. I demand the best because if you're not trying to be the best, why are you even playing? Yeah, and I think the Mets kind of need that swift kick in the ass. That's something we talked about a lot during the 2021 season. The Mets kind of lack that intensity and fire. That leadership. A lot of people, you know, didn't like Rojas for being that mellow guy. I know we don't have a manager right now, which is super funny to talk about because we're hyping up this team about, you know, being contenders and we don't know who is going to be the manager. But when you have a guy like Max Scherzer, it's like having another manager per se or another leader at the absolute worst on the field. I know it's hard to have pitchers be that guy, be that voice, because they really do only appear every five days. But if you talk to people around the Nationals, and if you hear everything that anyone's had to say about Max Scherzer, this guy is a leader, and I do think he commands respect around the locker room, regardless of whether it's his first year, his first day, his 10th year on a certain team. He demands respect. Definitely, because he's one of the best players who's ever played this game, this generation. There's something that Max, things that Max Scherzer has done I don't know if we'll ever see them be done again, at least not in the magnitude that he's done them. Like, there's a guy who, for the last 10 seasons, 
has been consistently in top five of the Cy Young, top five in the F4 for pitchers. Like, there's no stopping him. But we've talked about Max Scherzer for now, 35 consecutive minutes yeah. of what we thought would be a short emergency episode. I want to go for about five more minutes talking about what we think could happen next, even though none of it's going to happen next. So this is a futile thought exercise, but I posted the poll before in the Messed Up Podcast. It was about who would you want on this roster, you guys Mets fans, between Javi Baez and Marcus Stroman, if years and money were the same. And the answer was overwhelmingly Javi Baez, 72% versus 28%, which shocked me truly to my core. And I think a lot of that could possibly be because people are just down on Marcus Stroman, the guy right now, the social media personality. I think it's a little bit of down on Marcus Stroman for his personality, but I also do think that people are taking the Scherzer move as we don't need more pitching. I really do. I think when you hear that we have Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, you go, how much more can we take? How much more do we need? I mean, you you think ahead and you go, and even in a seven-game World Series, those guys are pitching four games. Definitely, but at the end of the day, the Mets have to go about, what, how many innings this season? Nine yep. times 160? 160. You have to play 162 games, and as we've seen for the Mets for the longest time, it doesn't matter necessarily what you do for those 40 games that you have your best pitcher out there. You need to be able to dominate the season. And in order for us to do that, we need a complete pitching staff. We have one, two. We have four, five. We need that three. Definitely. At the end of the day, you've got to throw about 1,500 innings to get through a major league season. Right now... Best case scenario between Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom, three sixty. Yeah, exactly. So we're we gotta find twelve hundred more innings, about around there. And granted, we have bullpen too. That's gonna eat up, you For know, sure. a good chunk of the innings as well. But, but there needs to be someone who comes into this team who we can count on. It may be a collection of guys too. I imagine Rich Hill. I know I can count Rich Hill for hundred innings. Oh yeah, I love Rich Hill for hundred innings. But we have to find probably about two hundred more innings from this free agent class before. The offseason ends if we really want to feel confident about reaching the playoffs. Because before you get to the World Series, you got to get to the playoffs. Yes, and that's I think that's super important, too. Like, uh, we're, we're on cloud nine. We're high. We're, we're happy. We're feeling great. Buzzing. But we got we to gotta think again. We got to come back to earth. And I think the Mets are luckily going to do the exact same thing and re, re, reassess, regroup what needs to be done. And there is still work that needs to be done. This team is still not the best team in baseball. And if Steve Cohen truly does want to build a World Series champion team in the next three to five years, like he said last year, you need to be the best team in baseball on paper going into every single season. And right now, the Mets don't stand like that. But I will say, we are in a hell of a better spot than I thought we were going to be at, you know, November 29th. Monumentally better spot. Like This just comes down to the fact that the Mets need innings. And and while people think Javi Baez is is the most important player... And I think that Javi Baez might end up coming back to the Mets over Marcus Stroman. I don't think that they're necessarily wrong in that poll of picking who will come back. Mm-hmm. I think they're wrong in saying that he is the more important player, that hitting is more important than pitching right now because p- pitching still wins championships at the end of the day. Absolutely. Even though we, especially the two of us, kind of shat on the Braves during the season about not having enough to win a World Series or even get to the playoffs or just even being better than a mediocre team. By the time they got to the playoffs, they still had three pitchers who were pitching every five days very consistently and giving them innings and putting them in a position to win the game, giving their bullpen a rest and making sure that they were ready to win when the situation came about. And again, front three, Morton, Ian Anderson, Max Fried. That's one of the best front threes in baseball. It was. And kind of shockingly, it did turn out to be that way. Yep. And the Braves won a freaking World Series because of it. 100%. I know Solaire and Duvall and Peterson and Rosario kind of get the press about yes. being the moves that the helped, yeah, the moves that helped make the Braves win the World Series. But along with the shifting, those guys' pitching numbers all of a sudden started to get a lot better. And you look at the year before, 
Dustin May and Julio Urias came out of, not left field, but they definitely came out of a place that people didn't think they were coming from to really clutch up and win a World Series to the Dodgers the year before that. Even Tony Gonsolin that year. Yeah, pitched a lot of very important innings in the playoffs. You look at the year before that, Patrick Corbin just really nutted up and won some games to the Nationals. Steven Strasburg pitched the best baseball he's ever pitched. Anibal Sanchez had great outings for the Nationals. And of course, our guy Max Scherzer came out of nowhere. The way the modern baseball works, while we have diminished the value of starting pitching on a grand scale, there's absolutely no doubt that you need lots of it to actually reach a place that we want to get to. We, this is all fun and games, but you're not winning a World Series in November. At the end of the day, this rotation, one needs to stay healthy, and two needs to get stronger before we actually head into the season. Yeah, and I, I think luckily for the Mets and you know for us Mets fans at home, there's a lot of room to improve. And there are a lot of guys still available that we can go after, whether it's through free agency or trade market, that will make this team better. And I, I fully expect them to. I do not think the Mets are done. No, no way the Mets are done. I think that there's a really good chance that the Mets look towards either some of the frontline guys still available, like Carlos Rodon or Marcus Stroman. And even past that, sadly, Alex Cobb was signed today. Everyone poured one out for me. I was devastated this evening when that news came out that he was a giant. But... Michael Pineda is pretty underrated. You can sign him for very cheaply, and he will throw you innings, and he will miss enough bats to probably be okay for an extended period of time. Tyler Anderson is a guy who will go out there every five days and compete. He won't be exciting. It won't be fun to watch Tyler Anderson pitch. You'll probably see some really bad games. You'll probably see some really good games. You'll see that. But this is just the kind of guy the Mets really need. You say Kikuchi. That's not a sexy name. I was just about to say, all the names we're going to mention are not sexy. There's only a few sexy picks left, and even then, like, the sexy scale is, you know, about a 7 out of 10. You're not looking at, you know, any Kate Uptons out here. But no, no, no. It's, it's Rodon and Stroman. Yes, it's Rodon and Stroman. These guys are meat and potatoes. Yeah. These, But listen, Mets fans, we're a little bit of meat and potatoes. We're not, the Mets have never been the sexy team by any means, and I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. But we can go ahead and make this team the best meat and potatoes out there. And a good meat and potatoes dinner, I'm going there every night. Love meat and potatoes. 30 degrees every day right now in New York City. Some nice beef stew, a couple potatoes in there. That that's, that fills you up, keeps you warm. A nice borscht. 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 A nice, what is that, Polish? Oh, that's a disgusting word. <laughs> borscht? I hate hearing that. Not a big borscht fan? No. no. I but, might like to eat it. I don't like to hear it. Okay, that's fine. Maybe we could just beef stew. Well, let's be the best, best beef stew that the bets can possibly be. Definitely. Like, a name like Zach Greinke sounds disgusting, but wow, would he throw 180 competitive innings for the Mets. Let me tell you, if Zach Greinke could get over his anxiety and come to New York, which, like, it's the Mets, real. The Mets. It's not the Yankees. It's the Mets. That's true. It is, it, but it is real anxiety, and it's no, probably— No, I'm, I'm not belittling Mets alone. Yeah, it's, it's probably a—it's probably the biggest long shot out there, honestly, that Zach Greinke comes to the Mets. I truly believe you that there's— bigger than Clayton Kershaw coming to the Mets? I think it is. Wow. I, I, I just think he has no interest in being in this major market like that, but— Zach Greinke, I mean, that guy would give you 180 innings right there. He would be the consistent, he, he would be so key to the consistency of this rotation. There are guys out there that exist, yeah. and we will be able to find them. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait a couple months, but. Yeah, probably. You least. know, this Mets team is in a really good spot right now going into this long break where we don't, we're not stressing. We're not stressing, and that's really nice. Oh, the opposite of stress. I kind of feel amazing. Like, the, we actually have a good opportunity. No, we don't. The Mets organization has a very good opportunity now to be able to stop and collect themselves after a pretty insane couple of months. That really should not have been. There's no reason October and November should be insane for a team that won 78 games in the season. But the Mets do get to stop and take a breath, really look and take stock of who they want to manage this team, who they can really scout and find value among the starters, the infielders, 
possibly the outfielders and the relief pitchers that are still in the market, see where the value, again, I say that word, is going to come from, and just gather themselves and make very coherent decisions when this lockout inevitably ends. Huge shout-out to Billy Epler. Me and James have said from the start of the offseason, prove us wrong. Mm-hmm. Proved us wrong. Definitely proved us wrong. He really wrong. just bodied this. And I'm so happy to be wrong. I'm yeah, so, As we said in the, the episode about it, so happy. So happy that Billy Epler made us look stupid, made us look like fools, because that means the Mets are better. And I'm happy that the Mets are better. And the Mets are a lot better right now. They really are. So I think that is a perfect time for us to wrap up episode number 64 of the Mets Sub Podcast, an emergency episode. Max Scherzer is a New York Met. Hold emergency on. Emergency is the wrong word. I'm dying. This is, this is a fun emergency, which is an emergency. This is it's a celebratory This episode. is a celebratory episode. I like that, James. Celebratory Good, episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Good call. A celebratory episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Messed Up Podcast. At Messed Up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Messed Up Podcast on YouTube. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Shout out. We're almost a top 10 podcast. Number 12 on all of uh, United States baseball. So huge shout out to you guys. All let's the new followers. Yes, let's get to one. Messed Up Podcast one. That's where we're tweeting right now. But uh, all the new followers, all the new supporters, all the new listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. Follow James on Twitter at Jeter Had No Range. Me, myself, Giraffe Neck Mark with a C on Twitter. And uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Check us out on Twitter Spaces to, or tonight that you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you all uh, probably next week for another episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Peace out, guys. Peace out, guys. See you next time.